As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, including methyl action. Methyl action contains B vitamins in their active forms, promoting a vital process called methylation, which helps maintain normal homocysteine levels, supporting neurological, cardiovascular, eye, and bone health. Methyl action is a good choice for anyone who wants to support their overall health and well being. It is especially beneficial for individuals wanting to keep their homocysteine levels within normal range and want to age gracefully. For more information and to order methyl action, just go to drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Methyl action. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. Thank you for downloading these podcasts. Dr. Hoffman and I greatly appreciate it. And we appreciate your questions. The email is questions at drhoffman.net. That's questions at drhoffman.net. And I have a question here from Jean. Thank you, Jean. Dear Layla, Your recent podcast on sucralose and its negative effects on metabolism reminded me of a recent article I read regarding coconut oil, an oil I use in some cooking and enjoy the flavor of. After reading this article, I stopped using it. It is a mouse study, but I found it concerning enough to just use olive oil for everything What do you think? And here is the article. Is coconut oil healthy? A mouse study finds it may alter metabolism and cause obesity. So, is coconut oil healthy? A mouse study may say otherwise. Uh, The study finds that coconut oil disrupted mice's ability to use two very important hormones, leptin and insulin. And we know that insulin resistance is a primary characteristic of type 2 diabetes. And nutritionists recommend unsaturated fats instead of saturated fats like coconut oil. Unfortunately, that is now dinosaur nutrition because Unfortunately, many of my mainstream colleagues are still fat phobic, but the whole saturated fat thing being troublesome has been debunked. But let's go into this because it's interesting. The findings support the hypothesis, hypothesis, not the proof, that a diet high in saturated fatty acids can lead to leptin resistance. At the same time as leptin resistance is developing, the body's fat storage tissue, known as white fatty tissue, white adipose tissue, also becomes less responsive to leptin. Leptin is actually secreted by our fat cells 
And leptin tells us we have plenty of stores. We can eat normally. We don't have to overeat. Leptin says everything is fine. Stop. There's enough fat on the body. So this study builds on previous research in which the authors observed that coconut oil produced a central and peripheral inflammatory response, weight gain, a higher percentage of fat, reduced energy expenditure, and anxious behavior in mice. Hmm. So the 60 mice in this current study, they were divided into three groups receiving a liquid supplement. One group, the control group received water. One received 100 microliters of commercial extra virgin olive oil, and one received 300 microliters of the same, right? So the daily coconut oil doses were calorically similar to what would equal about 13 grams of saturated fat or 5% of saturated fat calories for a healthy human adult, right? Well, here's the thing. All of this was also done in the setting of a high carbohydrate diet, and that is the ultimate confounder. Now, they are saying that the study proposes that coconut oil could make it harder, could make it harder for the body to properly respond to important hormones that manage hunger and energy use, at least in mice, says nutrition scientist Dr. Taylor Wallace. This could potentially contribute to problems like obesity and resistance to insulin, which is a key issue in diabetes. So what they found was a bit concerning. The coconut oil seemed to mess with the normal signaling pathways in the brain and other tissues that these hormones use to communicate their messages. I want you to remember that they, only 12% of the, the mice calories were from any fats at all, saturated fats, right? Now, obviously, they were on a high-carb diet because if they were on a low-carb diet, as much as 50% and over, that percentage of calories would have been based on fats and not carbohydrates. So now, fortunately, registered dietitian Kristen Kirkpatrick you know, uh, more human studies assessing coconut oil are needed. But that some things to consider are the amount consumed and the processing of the oil itself. Bravo. It's true. The processing of the oil. Uh, but Dr. Wallace's takeaway from this study is don't consume coconut oil for improving health. It's not a superfood. Now, this is problematic because we know coconut oil is a potentially fantastic therapy for anybody suffering with insulin resistance of the brain, a.k.a. Alzheimer's disease, a.k.a. type 3 diabetes. And you're not just taking the coconut oil in the presence of a high-carb diet. On a lower-carb diet with coconut oil, you can have pretty amazing results. By the way... Dr. Wallace listed some of the factors that may give pause to any of these conclusions, and this is important. He cited biological differences, dose differences, 
Mice is tightly controlled experimental environments that lack the variables found in a human study. Genetic uniformity, rodent simpler systems, rodent interspecies differences, and ethical concerns. Because of these factors, said Dr. Wallace, while rodent studies can provide invaluable insights and guide further research, they are usually considered preliminary. Yes, they can highlight potential areas of concern or benefit that deserve further study in humans. And in a systematic review cited by Dr. Wallace, <clears throat> only 37% of animal studies were replicated in humans. And 20% of them showed contradictory results. So, Jean, there you go. Only 37% of these animal studies were replicated in humans, meaning that the coconut oil isn't necessarily going to have show a negative result in human studies, and they haven't. In the setting of low-carb diets, we've seen excellent uh, changes in lipid profiles, higher HDL levels, LDLs being big, fluffy pattern A particles rather than small, dense pattern B particles, lower triglycerides, because it is in the setting of a low-carb diet. So, and Dr. Wallace does say, any findings usually need to be validated through rigorous controlled human trials before definitive conclusions can be made. So, what oils may be healthier than coconut oil? Kirkpatrick says, when referencing dietary oils, the most beneficial studies are often found in extra virgin olive oil as well as avocado oils, sesame, flaxseed, walnut, suggesting that consumers should focus on using these oils more than oils containing saturated or trans fats. We certainly don't want you having man-made trans fats, right? I don't want you to have the trans fat in the cookie, the Danish, etc. But regular, healthy, saturated fats in your red meat, your butter, your shrimp, your egg yolks, and everywhere else saturated fat is, like coconut oil and palm oil, right? These are all healthy fats to have. So... Dietary fats are actually helpful and have been shown in human studies to be beneficial in blood sugar management. So that's really what we're talking about. Now, while Dr. Wallace says, I'm not a huge fan of coconut oil personally, but only because it's been marketed and hyped up as a health food when it's worse than butter, lard, and other animal-derived fats. This is not... Okay... This is, Dr. Wallace, unfortunately, still operating on very old research, all done in the presence of a high-carbohydrate diet. So their measurements were not valid. Their conclusions were not reliable or replicable. And Dr. Wallace, on the other hand, is a fan of canola oil, which has one of the lowest amounts of saturated fats. Canola oil... Most of it in this country is 
genetically modified. Canola oil being a genetically modified organism. And because it contains more polyunsaturated fats than saturated fats, it's actually more volatile in high heat cooking that can cause more inflammation, more damage. So, now, the American Heart Association's scientific advisory statement agrees on the greater health value of unsaturated fats. They are still riding this wave. When is it going to crash and burn already? Noting that coconut oil has been seen to increase LDL cholesterol levels, but what they're not telling you is that it makes it a better, more healthy particle. And we don't see an increase in all. And we see better ratios because HDL is increased. Triglycerides are lower. These are critical features of metabolic syndrome when triglycerides are too high and HDL is too low. And again, American Heart says for people with an existing heart condition or who are at risk of one, the organization suggests consuming no more than 6% of day's calories from saturated fat. That's roughly equal to 13 grams based on a 2,000 calorie diet, and just one tablespoon of coconut oil comes close to that limit. Jean, I want to thank you for sending me this, but unfortunately they're still operating. These are mainstream scientists and nutritionists that are still operating on very old research all done in the context, in the setting of higher carbohydrate diets. I mean, this is like the cardiac prudent diet that a heart disease patient gets in a hospital where it's a whole lot of carbohydrates, fake sugars added, right? And very low in fat. And this will only serve <laughs> serve that hospital to have repeat customers of heart disease patients because their triglycerides are going to be higher, their HDL will be lower, and LDL will be small, dense, pattern B particles. We see this all the time in a high-carb high diet. We see small, dense, atherogenic pattern B LDL in a high-carb diet, and that's the truth. Gene, I want to thank you for sending me this. I use coconut oil. I love using coconut oil when I'm making scallops with garlic. There's a natural sweetness to scallops that goes well, that pairs well, if I may say it that way, with coconut oil. A lot of people don't like the flavor or aroma of coconut oil. That's okay. Use fats that you like. Use butter, use ghee, use olive oil. Avocado oil is a nice runner-up. These are all nice. And they're not too high in polyunsaturated fats, which make them very volatile under high heat cooking and prone to rancidity. That means prone to oxidation, free radical damage in the body. That's what we're talking about. I want to move on to another topic here. Is your sushi safe? This is from worldhealth.net. Sushi, and I know more and more of you are having it for lunch and all that stuff. Sushi has fast become popular. In fact, it's become everyday fare around the world, with many people opting for sashimi and or raw fish when they want to treat themselves. But it's important to note that while sushi can be delicious, it can also carry a health hazard 
for both individuals and society at large. You know, you don't want to buy your raw fish from the gas station food mart, right? <laughs> Although as a general rule, sushi is safe to eat if prepared properly. But bacteria and raw seafood, it can make you sick. And seafood can also spread bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. Without heat treatment or the use of other antibacterial me methods, the risk of bacterial levels becoming high increases sharply. Now, quote, bacteria in sushi, sashimi, and cold smoked fish products can pose a risk to such foods frequently, especially people with weak immune systems, children, and the elderly. Not to mention fill you up with mercury if you're having a lot of tuna or tekamaki, teka being the tuna, in the roll. And this comes from the Department of Biotechnology and Food Science at Norwegian University of Science and Technology. Scientists have, sh have shown concern over listeria monocytogenes for some time. This is probably the most well-known pathogen that is related to raw or mildly processed seafood. This study checked for Aromonas bacteria in fish products readily available on the market. Quote, the goal was to gain more knowledge about Aromonas in this type of seafood. Both the bacteria's role in the deterioration of the product and in causing disease and furthermore, says Dr. Lee, we wanted to see if raw seafood can spread antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Quote, the results show that the mild processing of these fish products receive, that the mild processing these fish products receive does not guarantee that the growth of Aromonas bacteria will be inhibited the majority of these Aromonas variants are possibly pathogenic and there are often several different risk factors associated with them. In other words, according to Dr. Lee, in this study, the processing of sushi, sashimi, and cold smoked fish was ineffective at preventing bacterial growth. However, Dr. Lee emphasizes that the risk of getting sick from Aromonas is very small, especially among healthy people. So Aromonas is often ignored when we talk about food safety. And Dr. Lee says, my research highlights that the food industry needs to pay more attention to this bacteria. Although the risk is small, it still exists. And for those unfortunate enough to become sick, another factor is in play that is even more of concern. Aromonas bacteria frequently exchange genetic material with other bacteria. And this is a greater concern if the genetic material comes from bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. Some strains of Aromonas can also spread antibiotic resistance from one type of bacteria to another. Eating seafood infected by resistant bacteria 
is a likely way these bacteria can spread from marine animals and environments to humans. And resistant bacteria are a growing global concern. And while they do not cause more disease than other bacteria, they're becoming increasingly far more difficult to treat because not all types of antibiotics work against them. In an even worse, worst case scenario, some bacteria have become so effective that no antibiotics will work against them. So listen, that means in your farm-raised seafood, you need to stop throwing antibiotics in there. You need to stop crowding the seafood so much that they're growing in the equivalent of sewer water because of all the seafood poop that's in there. That's why they're using antibiotics, and that is why there's all this antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Remember, nature wants to live, so it will reinvent itself to become more resistant to any antibiotics that scientists are producing. So to combat the spread of antibiotic-resistant bacteria, it's important that we adopt a broad approach that looks at animal and human health, food production, and the environment together in order to achieve better public health. Right? So the most important method of tackling the problem of antibiotic-resistant bacteria is probably strict regulation and reforming food safety by authorities. This will involve looking at animal and human health, food production, and the environment. However, we as individuals, we can also make a difference by paying attention to how our food is being prepared from start to finish and choosing raw products from suppliers that only use small amounts of antibiotics in aquaculture. Ah, see, that's where it all starts. So, You want to be careful of all this stuff. You don't want to get your sushi at the uh, corner gas station food mart, do you? I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In. This is Intelligent Medicine. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system, which regulates many of our most critical bodily functions, such as learning and memory, emotional processing, sleep, 
temperature and pain control, and inflammatory and immune responses. The CBD brand that I take and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their reserve collection, a sleep gummy. The reserve collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, including THC. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products are for when intense support is needed. Reserve Sleep Gummies build on their unique Reserve Collection formula with effective sleep-focused ingredients to better prepare you for bed each night. Wake up feeling refreshed, energized, and ready to take on the day with Reserve Sleep Gummies. All of Plus CBD's products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code HOFFMAN30 for 30 off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new reserve collection, Sleep Gummies. This is Layla Mudin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care. 